The Zamzo's Garden Show is sponsored by Zamzo's. The views, opinions, and advice offered by the show's hosts do not necessarily reflect those of KBOI or its parent company, Cumulus Media. KBOI makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information expressed and shall not be responsible or liable for any claims arising out of the use of or reliance upon any such information. What kind of seeds are you sowing? Why is it so green where you're from? It must be Zamzo's growing in your yard, garden, or barn. You've done it right, you see it. Got the help that you needed. Zamzo's really makes you want to come home. I'm coming home, cause nobody knows. Like Zamzo's. It's the Nobody Knows Like Zamzo's Garden Show on News Talk KBOI. To be a part of the show, call now, 1-800-529-KBOI or 336-3700. It's the Nobody Knows Like Zamzo's Garden Show on the Big 670 KBOI. How's it going, everybody? This is the Zamzo's Garden Show, and uh, I am your host, Nolan Guthrie. And today we are doing a pre-recorded episode of the Zamzo's Garden Show, and I am very excited to have in studio uh, with me recording today, Mr. Jim Zamzo. Jim, thank you so much for uh, taking some time to hang out with me today. Great to be here, Nolan. I appreciate it. It's been a while since you and I have done a pre-recorded show, uh, I think it's I'm, probably like five years since we did the, mm-hmm. that group of three of them. Time flies um, when you're having fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and those shows were awesome uh, that we did back then, and and we've played them a number of times on on the show on the the show here. So, uh, so I thought it was time for a new one. Uh, we, we we you know get a chance to hang out with you. So I did something a little bit different this time, and uh, what I did was we have a uh, Facebook group on, on Facebook that I've managed for a number of years. I started it. And it's uh, for our lawn program customers. So people that are on the Zamzo's lawn program uh, are part of this group. And it's become a a really nice community of people that are uh, very helpful for each other. And they they come with questions. And, you know, a lot of times I get to answer them. But what's been fantastic over the years is that there are people who have been there for a long time and now – these other people are answering those questions and answering them. And like I, I see them and I'm like, I don't have anything else to add. You, yeah. you, you nailed it there. So, um, it's a great community, a uh, lot of really nice people and, uh, a, a great just sharing of knowledge. And what I wanted to do for this show is, uh, kind of give them a chance to ask Jim Zamzo a question. So I told him, Hey, if you had a chance to ask Jim Z a question, uh, what would you ask them? And so I did get a, f- a few replies from there, and uh, I even asked them if they would be okay with me sharing their name. So I'm going to do that for those that uh, were okay with that. And then when we're done with that, I'm going to actually uh, make sure that they get a chance to hear this as well. So okay. I think it's going to be a, a fun time. So uh, so let's get into it. Uh, we got the first question here. Is uh, she actually said that uh, good luck with the pronunciation on her name? But we'll give it a go here. Lavina Collins Henley is what I think how I would pronounce her name. Sounds easy enough. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, Lavina, I, I pronounced that correctly. Uh, but your question was, Jim, there are two spots in my yard that turn brown and the grass dies off almost every year. What gives? 
so uh, we kind of briefly discussed some of these, uh, you know, how we might address these uh, before we kind of started recording. And this is one that, uh, you know, when I read this, I have my first reaction is to have a lot of questions, right? right. And sure. I'm sure, and that's kind of, you know, something I've learned from Jim <laughs> over the years. So, uh, you know, I think that's probably where we would start with something, a question like that. Okay, I think you have to be a detective sometimes to yeah. figure things like this out. So uh, I've seen over the years many, many different issues that can cause that. Right. Sometimes it's an uneven topsoil when they when they scrape the soil and they plant it, the higher area has subsoil and not enough topsoil. So eventually that area doesn't do as well as the other areas. Right. Sometimes the concrete truck yeah. that, that was pouring the driveway and so on will clean their equipment out in a spot in the lawn, which eventually becomes a an alkali area. And we have to treat that a little differently, right? Uh, usually with some sulfur or whatever. Yeah, I've even uh, heard of uh, people having a situation like that, where they end up digging up, and they find you know a big, just a big chunk of yeah, concrete. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> you get down a foot there, and there's just a giant chunk of concrete because the construction guys, you know, they didn't want to, they couldn't haul it off. They just buried it in the backyard somewhere. So those yeah. are things that happen. And sometimes Even a septic pi- tank. You know, wood and, yeah, and all right. kinds of stuff buried out yeah. there. You never know what you're going to find. But uh, it could be that. Sometimes it's just an imbalance in the soil for one reason or another. And so we like to take a look at increasing the biological activity in that yeah. area. Do you mean uh, like a nutritional imbalance there or kind of a nutritional microorganism balance? I mean, those things are, you know, need well, to be in balance. Absolutely. And, it could be- and but what I'm seeing more and more often uh, where we don't have adequate biology in the soil, there's yeah. not enough life in the soil. Yeah. So we're making these teas. Right, uh, and we're blending these biological teas that have microorganisms that can get that soil back to life again. Right, yeah, and that's something we've uh, we tend to talk about in the summer quite a bit. Uh, you know, as far as our advertising stuff goes, and you know, really showing it in the store. But those that involves uh, something like you're taking uh, chicken soup for the soil, and I think you you're recommending you take like some leaf litter or some garden compost, something that you've already got in there, and then uh brewing that in the sun yeah and over a number of days to break that stuff down and start to become let it become biologically active and get into the soil and right. perk it right and back in up. some cases now we're actually adding specific microbes okay we actually have a microbe we call aqua hold which uh, mm. converts uh, sugars uh, into a mucilaginous substance that helps uh, the soil to hold so water. So kind of like so, an earthworm casting sort of thing? Uh, yeah, very similar, similar to that. Similar to it, yeah. Only these are manufactured, okay. uh, brewed specifically for that that purpose. Yeah, interesting. Uh, and that's something I'm working on right now to develop actually more products down the road. Cool. So, But also we have uh, the Peniturf product. Yeah. If your soil is just heavy clay in an area and it doesn't allow water penetration or no air circulation, sometimes that Peniturf product will open that ground up and help to. Yeah, I had uh, the first time I think I ever used Peniturf was very early when it first came out. I was still at the Chinden location, and I had uh, there's in in the yard that I have now. Uh, there's a the 
manhole cover for the sewer system, I was lucky enough to be the house with that in my front lawn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're uh, lucky. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but for the first couple of years I was there, there would be this, there would always be this strip of discolored grass, mm-hmm. uh, kind of leading up to the house. Like, I don't know if it was like, you know, they, where they connected, where my house connected into that. Uh, but it was just always discolored for years, uh, you know, for uh, at least a two or three years, the first few years I was there. And, you know, and I would put Thrive on it and I would, you know, always, you know, give it extra water, do all these different things to try to get it to come back. And and it would, you know, perk up a little bit from now and then, but it would always just kind of be yellow. Um, and then I, when we got uh, Peniturf, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and give this one a try because I'm kind of a sucker for any new products that we have. You know, I got to give them a try at least once. Yeah. Uh, but I used Peniturf on it that just one time and it never came back. And I was kind of blown away. I was like, that's, that's really strange. And I don't know if it was like the combination of, you know, you know, keeping it on a good fertilizer program for years and, Peniturf just kind of put it over the edge because typically Peniturf, you know, needs to be reapplied in certain situations. Yeah, it, it probably um, is. Just you had good culture, but you know, ours is a, is an enzymatic product, right? As a as opposed to a soap type product. Yeah. So we actually stimulate the biological activity in that area with Peniturf. Yeah. But you know, one other thing comes to my mind. Uh, is the issues that we have along sidewalks. Yeah. Sometimes they turn brown early right. for for no reason. They're perfect until it gets hot. Uh, if you do probes, a lot of times you'll yeah. find that the road mix from the sidewalk, yeah. the, the gravel that they put underneath, uh, is over into the lawn. It's, yeah, kind of overlapped into, Right, so yeah. there's less topsoil there. So yeah. it, maybe you get more heat there, you get less... Uh, or too much drainage and, and less water retention. So yeah. Sometimes you gotta. I've actually gone in along a sidewalk and dug it up, removed the gravel, put topsoil in, and put the sod back on. Yeah. And cured that problem. And that, yeah, and that might, you know, it, it's tough to say for sure exactly, Lavina, what could be going on, but I, hopefully that gives you some ideas, you know, where we can go with it. I think. Uh, you know, doing some detective work. You know, there's a, there, sometimes there's weird things that can pop up and you're just not really sure what exactly it could exactly. have been. So yeah. uh, hopefully that helps. All right, we are going to go to a quick break here in the Zamzo's Garden Show. I'm your host, Nolan Guthrie. We are with Jim Zamzo, and we are answering questions uh, from some of our lawn program customers, and we will be right back in just a moment. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Josh Samzo and Callie. Right now, we're having a giant sale on wild bird food and feeders. Mm-hmm. $7 off a 40-pound bag of Zamzo's No Sprout is pretty wild. But should we call it a wild bird sale or a wild bird sale? All wild bird feeders are also 25% off. That's pretty wild. But we also have suet on sale for 25% off and $5 off all Zamzo's wild bird and squirrel blocks. That's pretty wild. So again, is it a wild bird sale or a wild bird sale? Both, because when we offer $2 off small bags, $5 off medium-sized bags, and $7 off large bags of every Zamzo's Wild Bird food we sell, that's some wild savings. I agree, but what should we call the sale? How about Zamzo's Wild Wild Bird Food Sale on all Wild Bird Feed, Wild Bird Feeders, Suet, and Seed Blocks for the Wild Birds of Idaho? <laughs> Could you please repeat that? No. Here, let me try it. Go for it. Don't miss Zamzo's Wild Wild Bird Sale on Wild Bird Feed, Wild Bird Feeders, Suet, and Seed Blocks for the Wild Birds of Idaho. How? What was that? What? News talk doesn't have to be boring. 
Weekday mornings from 6 to 10. It's Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. How's it going, everybody? We are back here in the Zamzo's Garden Show, and uh, I am your host, Nolan Guthrie. Today, I am with uh, Jim Zamzo uh, in studio. We are not live, so we're not taking any phone calls today. Uh, but you can always reach out to us at zamzos.com. You can send an email. Those all come to me. You can also reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, even YouTube, wherever those things are. Or you can call a store, uh, and we'll help you out however we can. Uh, but today, what we're doing is a pre-recorded show where I've got a couple of questions from some uh, folks that are on our lawn program group on Facebook, and I gave them the chance to uh, ask a question of Jim. And I am bringing those questions to Jim, and we are discussing them today. And uh, we already uh, talked to Lavina uh, Henley. And uh, our next question comes from Cindy Kimsey, uh, and they ask... Uh, the last two summers, uh, we have, have caused havoc with my yard. Many different things happening. I think this was several dead spots. Any advi- advice on how to support our lawns in addition to the lawn program? Um, which I think is a, is a fascinating question. Um, because there's a lot of, there are a lot of things I think that we can do in addition to the lawn program. Obviously, you know, taking aside, you know, things like bug controls and, uh, weed controls, uh, disease controls. Uh, those are some things that we do in addition to the lawn program. Sure. Uh, but there's probably a lot of other things that we can do as well. And we've got a great person to talk to about that. So Jim, what are, what are you, what are some of your thoughts on well, you know, additional support? one thing that my dad always did was put composted manure on our lawn in the fall. Yeah. Uh, he'd put on about a half an inch of good compost and, yeah. Uh, much to my mother's chagrin, it wasn't always fresh, uh, a good compost, but, <laughs> but uh, dad would put the sprinkler on it, and in two or three days, the smell would go away, and the next year, we, he would have a very good lawn. Yeah. Back in those days, they didn't have our lawn program, but right, that, yeah. it's always good to put more organic in the soil, continuously add organic into the soil to, to increase your carbon. That increases the biology in the soil, which in turn increases the disease resistance, the insect resistance, and so on. Yeah. Uh, Another thing that I like to do, and I've mentioned this before and probably will uh, quite often from now on, and that is making these compost teas that can get the, the biology going in the soil. And one thing we haven't talked about is the way we stimulate the nitrogen-fixing organisms in the soil. They're the bacterium that are able to take nitrogen out of the atmosphere and put it into the soil, which allows you to decrease the amount of fertilizer you actually use on your soil. Right. Now, some people might say, well, that's counterproductive because then you won't sell enough fertilizer. Well, (laughs) actually, our job is to make our customers successful. Right. And so if we learn new things that can make their lawns better and it requires less input, then that's our job. Yeah. Well, and just to that point, I will say this. It's that philosophy is one of the reasons that I've honestly stayed with Samzo's for so long and believe in what we're doing. Nice. Uh, that's just an aside because I... I believe that as well. Like that was something that was kind of instilled in me when I was going to school and, you know, kind of what I saw. And then I came to Zamzo's and I was like, oh my gosh, they're kind of talking about the same sort of things that I was already thinking about. And, and you're right. It is, it does seem counterintuitive, but you know, 
like you said, our, our main goal is to help our customers. I do want to go back to just real quick before we move on. You mentioned the compost um, as a, an, an additional support for uh, lawns. So uh, when your your dad would put this on, he was using a, a, a manure based compost. Yes. Yeah, and so that would be something. It would he get. You mentioned the smell, yeah. so it really say, wasn't. It, wasn't kind of, it really wasn't compost. <laughs> so more, more heavy on the manure than mm, the compost. Yeah. So, of course, that's the way they did things back in right. those days. I've learned since that compost really isn't compost unless it's finished. Mm. There's an old saying that from my teacher that uh, the the microbe always sits at the table first. Yeah. So we've got to break these materials down. To right. where they're in their basic forms, which is the humic acids and so on, which that's what really works in the soil. If we put on raw, raw materials, it's really not usable to the plant until it's biologically decomposed by the microbes. Yeah, so that's just to make sure I'm tracking with you. Yeah, that's the process, right, of breaking down before the plant can use it. It's the same sort of thing with like, uh, I, I think about mycorrhizae sometimes, right? Like mycorrhizae is not the root, but root needs to have mycorrhizae. And in fact, it needs to have, I mean, I think, I think they found pretty much all plants have to have some sort of mycorrhizae. Most, them, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to actually take in enough nutrients and water to support its life uh but those things have to be broken down it's that additional microactivity in the soil that's breaking those things down into a way that plants and the mycorrhizae can actually take it in and use it yeah we're actually talking about two different modes of operation here okay uh the mycorrhizae are an extension of the feeder root and the 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 fungi fungus filament, if you will, goes out and picks up phosphorus and things and brings it back to the plant. When we're talking about the biological degradation of organic matter, let's say you put that compost on the soil until that breaks down into its basic components, the plant can't utilize it. Yeah. So sometimes we run into problems when we put on a high carbon material like uh, maybe sawdust or some right, okay. compost that's not finished. You're going all the other way, yeah. Well, yeah. until that breaks down uh, to where we've got the nitrogen to carbon ratio right in the soil again, they're really we starve in the plants of nitrogen fertilizer. Mm, yeah. So, uh, you know, you can put 20 tons of raw compost on the ground and really not have it do as much benefit as one ton of finished compost would be in that same same situation. That's why our Humagreen uh, material that we use is so valuable because it's more of a raw carbon. Right. So it's so it, yeah, it's more like a finished compost. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now that's a great uh, to to that ish, to that point. Um, you know, when you we talk about you know we talk a lot about Humagreen. Uh, what's the what would be the main difference? to going like something with a compost as opposed like I I think doing the compost doesn't negate using humigreen I would imagine uh, at least that's kind of how I would think about no, it No it but doesn't but what what what's the added benefit to the compost that's different from humigreen If you were in a situation that you could use just a rich source of good compost you wouldn't need humigreen mm. uh, you would have adequate nutrients you'd have a- adequate uh, carbon, everything. The average person does not have access. Yeah. So 
Humagreen really is designed for the lawn program for people that don't have access to good organic sources of material. Yeah. Where I was working with agriculture for many years, uh, farmers would say, well, that's all fine and, and good, Jim, but how do I put enough compost on a section of ground? That's a mile by a mile. That's 640 acres. Yeah. <laughs> I soon realized, oh, we've got to come up with some other way of getting carving into the soil besides compost because there's not enough compost to take care of anything like right. that. But we have good sources. We have good sources in the city of Boise, of our leaf uh, composting program, and, and there's a lot of good good sources of materials that people can use. Yeah, We want to access all of those. But... Humagreen in our lawn program is the perfect combination. Yeah. And in fact, I tell people, well, you, they say, well, I'm on a lawn program and I don't have time to mess around with it, uh, so I have to have somebody else do it. Okay, that's good. But you're putting on mostly nitrogen fertilizer. You should at least put on an application of Humagreen mid-season. Yeah. If you don't do anything else, because right. that'll balance the carbon with that nitrogen. Yeah. Which brings me into a whole new resource of material I'll tell you about someday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always a lot of knowledge when you get a chance to talk to Jim. I actually have a few questions to follow up with this, so we'll take it into the next segment. Uh, this is the Zamzo's Garden Show. I'm your host, Nolan Guthrie. We're talking with Jim Zamzo, and we will be back in just The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Callie Zamzo. And it's time for Zamzo's Recharger, the incredible biologically correct lawn food specially designed to prepare Treasure Valley lawns for fall and winter. You see, when my dad Jim Zamzo formulated Zamzo's Recharger, he doubled the amount of phosphorus and potassium of our regular lawn food. That's because in the fall, your lawn is regenerating itself. And Zamzo's Recharger gives your lawn the nutrients it needs to build a strong, healthy root system. Plus, Recharger slow feeds your lawn all winter long. So when it wakes up in the spring, you have the greenest lawn in the neighborhood. Recharger is step five of the Zamzo's lawn program, but you don't need to be on the program to apply it. You can buy Recharger one bag at a time. But if you do purchase or renew your Zamzo's lawn program before December 24th, you get next year's program at this year's price. So come see us now at Zamzo's. 13 stores to serve you, including Federal Way and Geckler in Southeast Boise. Nobody knows like Zamzo's. Yeah. Dot com. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. All right, how's it going, everybody? This is the Zamzo's Garden Show. I am your host, Nolan Guthrie, and I am. Uh, we are back uh, to talk with Jim Zamzo today. We are doing a pre-recorded show. And uh, we are answering some questions from folks on our lawn program group on Facebook. And uh, the last segment, we were talking, uh, answering a question from Cindy Kimsey, who was uh, asking about additional things that she can do or they can do to their lawn. Um, we've got a few more to get to, but uh, I wanted to kind of double back on this one a little bit because we talked a lot about compost. We talked a little bit about um, some of the compost teas. Uh, that Jim's been working with and, and developing uh, for some time now. I wanted to bring up uh, just a few things, uh, you know, things like sulfur, things like gypsum, um, you know, lime. You know, those are other things that are sometimes applied to lawns. How do those sorts of things, 
mesh with the lawn program? Are they needed in our area? Are they beneficial? You know, what what are some of your thoughts on those, Jim? You know, in most cases, we have those those areas covered. Yeah. But sometimes you have situations where maybe you have too high a sodium level, uh, in which case we would apply gypsum. Yeah. If we have an exceptionally high pH, then that's where we bring in the soluble sulfurs and that type of thing, which help to bring the pH down. The sulfur biologically degrades into sulfuric acid, which which lowers the pH of the soil. Mm -hmm. uh, those are all just the chemistry uh, parts of soil. Lime, of course, is put on if we've got too low of a pH and we want to raise the pH. We don't have much problem with that except for in the river bottoms. Yeah. And if we get up into, uh, you know, McCall, Cascade sure. area or, or in the mountain areas where they've got mostly a degraded granite soil, which is mostly potassium-based, then mm -hmm. dolomite lime. Yeah. can be applied, which is a calcium-magnesium combination. Yeah. Uh, and that works very well in those settings. Yeah. It's it's interesting when I, you know, early on when I was with Zamzos, I think it feels like we almost kind of talked about those things a little bit more than we tend to now. Um, I'm not sure why uh, that's kind of happened over the last few years. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't seem to talk about gypsum as much. We don't seem to talk about sulfur as much. And I think it probably comes down to like they, they just tend to be very use case, you know, like the specific situations. So I would say to Cindy, uh, it might be worth um, doing some sort of soil sample here. You know, we have a really basic test kit at the stores um, that can give you your pH and your macronutrients. If you're on the lawn program, which we're pretty sure you are, uh, those, you know, the macronutrients are probably taken care of. But knowing what the pH could be a window to some other options, um, I, don't, I don't know how you would test for sodium. You'd probably have to go to the, take it to you the know, lab that's for that's probably but. not a real big issue. Yeah, and that's not uh, one in, I've really in, come across. In most cases, sometimes I run across it in agriculture, but, yeah. but it's not a usually a big issue. Most of the nutrients, sulfur and calcium and magnesium included, yeah. are in our program already. Right. So if it's not a serious problem, we're, we've got them covered. If it is a serious problem, and we do have a, a tremendous imbalance with the cations, which is calcium, magnesium, potassium, and sodium, then we can balance accordingly. Right. But for the most part, we designed that program to take care of most of the situations in our area if we have an exception to the rule, then we have to address it accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. All right, great. Hopefully that helps you out, Cindy. And uh, let's go on to the next question, which was from uh, Daniel Wong. Uh, he says, please ask Jim what he thinks about clover lawns, um, which is something um, I've actually been thinking about clover lawns a little bit this year. Um I've actually thought about like a time lawn, you know, just lawn alter alternatives, uh, personally. Um, not everywhere. I still like, I, I like a lawn. I just don't like a lot of lawn. Right. Um, but I, I've thought about some of these things, especially this year. We got a dog, uh, last year and, uh, no one really told me what exactly a dog will do to your lawn. <laughs> I should have known. Uh, but, uh, you know, you know, lab puppy uh, oh, yeah. can tear up a lawn in, in no time flat, especially when she's got a lot of energy and loves to chase a ball. So, yeah. um, so what, are your, what are some of your thoughts about a, a clover lawn or some lawn alternatives? Well, used to, 
be in the 60s and 70s, we always included 10% by weight of of the seed, white Dutch clover. Oh, in the grass seed? In the grass seed itself. Really? Interesting. We stopped doing that after a while for two reasons. Uh, One is clover has a tendency to grass stain worse than grass does. Mm. So the kids would get too much green on there when they're playing out there. The other is that it has a white blossom which attract bees. And if the people were afraid their children would be stung by a bee, then that was an issue. Uh, it turns out to be a tiny issue. Really, yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not worth it. But because uh, that got a lot of publicity, yeah, people had a tendency to want to pull away from clover. Uh, I think clover is a perfect cover for a new seeding, and I think if you don't have clover in your mix, you should put some clover down when you seed your lawn anyway. Yeah, There's a natural cycle between the legumes, which are the nitrogen-fixing plants, right. which are the clovers, alfalfas, etc., and the grasses. Yeah, If the grasses have adequate calcium and nitrogen, they flourish. And the legumes say, well, there's no reason for us to grow because there's enough of those things. But, yeah. but as the as the grass uses up those nutrients, especially if you harvest it and haul the grass clippings away, sure. then the clover starts to move back in again because it needs to replenish the nitrogen and the calcium because it's more mm. deep-rooted than the grass in most cases. Yeah. That's why you'll see sometimes a big patch of clover out here, and the next year it, it'll be mostly grass and it'll have moved around. Right. Because clover... Uh, you know, it's selective like that. Yeah. Uh, as far as just a clover lawn, if you plant just a clover lawn, it's probably going to eventually convert to a mix of grass and clover anyway. Interesting. Whether you plant the grass there or not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but I do like clover. Yeah. And if you and if you're okay with the grass stains, and if you're okay with the uh, honeybees, which I. You know, I I rather like my honeybees. Yeah. I grow I grow yeah, them myself. You, yeah, <laughs> you have a, a nice colony. Uh-huh. Yeah. I do. So I so I like clover. There's a new uh, clover that we're exploring right now called micro clover, mm-hmm. which uh, which only grows to a maximum of about two inches in height. Uh, Interesting. But but it's 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 relatively rare and expensive. Mm-hmm. So uh, the producers aren't really producing it yet. But I'm looking at that Interesting. Uh, with a, a curiosity as to that might be in a solution in the future. Yeah, that's fascinating. I had no idea that it was a common practice to just keep, you know, put clover in your grass seed. You know, over the years, I think we've had, you know, we've had, we've, we've sold clover. But actually to learn that it was kind of just common practice at one point is kind of fascinating. And uh, I think, you know, those are kinds of things. It's interesting how things ebb and flow, kind of like the clover and grass in the lawn. You know, we kind of go through these extremes of, you know. <laughs> well, I have a, I have another example for you, and this one's not a good example. Yeah. We, uh, back in, in the late 60s, uh, Scots at the time included uh, pen fine uh bent grass which okay. is golf course grass right. that uh in in the bluegrass mixes and so down in the area in Boise Warm Springs and the Harrison area uh we have we we're still fighting with bent grass in our lawns down there yeah because it's uneven it it doesn't mow short right, like right. we're not mowing like golf courses right. so that's a whole issue, different issue 
but we used to put it in our grass seed that's blends. Yeah, no, that's that, that is really interesting. So, yeah, I hope that that hopes that helps you, Daniel. I I think a full clover lawn doesn't seem like probably the solution, but mixing it in sounds like it's completely viable if you're willing to and, and it's the same with the bees you know we used to we, we went so far away from you know oh we don't want the bees around to now people are yeah. becoming much more accepting of that right. and uh you know obviously people that are highly allergic to it need to watch yeah. out for it and but, the, the uh, benefit too with clover is it puts nitrogen in the soil yeah. so you have to use less fertilizer you're doing doing something good all right fantastic well we've got one more segment we're going to come back here on the zamzo's garden show on kboi uh with uh, jim zamzo and uh, answer a few more questions. We'll be right back here on the Zamzo's Garden Show. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Josh Samzo, and when it comes to wild bird food, freshness is king. That's because wild birds can sense if a seed has gone bad and simply won't eat it. They also can tell if a seed has dried out and lost its moisture, which causes them to push that seed to the ground, making a mess below the feeder and wasting money. In fact, bargain wild bird seed is actually no bargain at all. That's because if you're buying dried out or rancid seed, the birds are going to reject it anyway, making Zamzo's fresh high-quality feeds the best value you can buy in a wild bird feed. And now through Wednesday, November 9th, Zamzo's is having a giant sale on our most popular wild bird foods, including our top-selling Zamzo's nose sprout. It's the wild bird food Treasure Valley birds prefer. And during this sale, all large bags of 35 pounds or more are $7 off a bag. So if you want to attract the largest number and the largest variety of birds to your backyard, feed them the freshest wild bird seed in town from Zamzo's. Nobody knows like Zamzo's. Nate Shellman, live, weekday afternoons from 3 to 7 on News Talk KBOI. And we are back for one more segment of the Zamzo's Garden Show. I am your host, Nolan Guthrie. With me today in studio is uh, Jim Zamzo. We've been doing a pre-recorded show, so we're not taking any phone calls today. But you uh, just remember that you can always reach out to us. Uh, you can send an email to zamzos at zamzos.com or reach out to us on uh, social media. And uh, I see those things and try to answer them as quickly as I can. Uh, but today what we're doing was we're asking questions from some specific folks in our lawn program group on Facebook, and they had some questions for Jim that I uh, am bringing to him. And uh, I have actually really enjoyed this format. I really think this is very fun and uh, informative. We're getting to, into some interesting topics here, which is great. Uh, we have one more question from a named uh, person, and that is Glenn Kellerer, and they ask... Um, they've been on the lawn program for a few years now, and my lawn always looks like one of the best in the neighborhood. Over time, though, I am now getting a very uneven and lumpy lawn that actually gets hard to mow at times. Is this normal? Is there something that can be done that does not include tearing up my yard? What causes this, uh, and what what would cause this? So, um, you know, it's kind of with the first one. There's always, uh, you know, anytime I am asked a question, you know, I. I kind of tend to ask you know five more right. um because we do want to be detectives about this so um there are a few things here that i i can kind of see that i would ask first um you know the first thing i actually would probably say is it lumpy like 
uh, like you'd mentioned when we were talking about this before, and is it lumpy like, you know, maybe earthworms are going through and it's just kind of a general unevenness? Or are you the kind of person that mows the lawn the same direction every single time? I remember when I was mowing lawns in Portland, uh, we had a, a, a house that we would drive by every week, you know, to the house we had to do. And I remember I would see this guy out there mowing his lawn. And what I realized is that he probably didn't need to stand behind his mower. If he had had an automatic mower, the ruts in his lawn would have just kept it going around and he could have just come back a few minutes later and, you know, turned and moved his mower off because he just mowed it the same way every single time and had probably been doing that for years. The wheels do make ruts in the the lawn. And that's, you know, that's as a, you know, at the time as a lawn mower, that was, you know, lesson one. You know, remember which way you mowed last time and mow it the opposite the next time. Right. Um, and we, you just always change the angle. So that's one thing, super easy to do. Um, I don't get the feeling that that's what uh, Glenn is dealing with um, because there's another situation where you can just tend to get, you know, divots and bumps and hills in the lawn. Um, and so a lot of times those are attributed to, to an earthworm. Uh, what has been your experience in something with these sorts of things, Jim? Well, yeah, usually it's, it's the night crawler that causes the little bumps that causes problems. But we actually they're beneficial to the soil. Right. So we don't do anything about that, actually. Yeah. Uh, things will eventually level out. About the about getting rid of the earthworm. Yeah, we don't want right. to get rid of the earthworms. Yeah. We actually, years ago, people would put on chlordane or something just to kill the worms, which we now know was the wrong thing to do. Uh, Sometimes you get other varieties of grass, heavy bladed grasses that will Mm. move in, that will be a different texture, make it uneven. Uh, But I, you know, without seeing the lawn or, or knowing exactly what we're talking about, it's hard to guess what it is. I love your example of the rip of the, of the, the ruts the in ruts, the ground, yeah. because in my lawn, if we don't mow it one way and then diagonal across it the other way, we, we actually mow our lawn, or the guy that does this for us, mows in four different directions. Yeah. So he'll go around, around, around one time, and then he'll go across it at a 15-degree angle, and then yeah. the next time it's 45-degree angle. Yeah. It's not as easy for mowing, because they got all these little areas that they have to yeah, yeah. Uh, deal with. but. For the most part, that's an excellent example, uh, more in different directions. Um, and even if it were something like an earthworm, uh, I think mowing over it you know, a couple extra times at those different angles could help as well. Um, and, and, and I guess to answer the first part, yes, it's very normal uh, for that to happen in the lawn over time. I think... Um, you know, I think a lot of times our our perception of a lawn is a golf course. Yeah. And I think what we tend to miss sometimes is that the way a golf course is taken care of is very different from a homeowner, right? Uh, when I was in school, one of our instructors was the head greenskeeper at a golf course. And so he would, you know, actually take us uh, and show us some of the processes that, that, that they do on the golf course. And they are just I mean, they're flat out just different. You know, yeah. they're very different things done on a golf course that are done on, in our home lawns. Yeah. Um, you know, mowing short being just one of them, but also it's important to remember, you know, like a, 
a putting green is uh, a built-up medium that uh, it's not native soil typically. They're they're removing soils, they're doing extra drainage, they're bringing in lots of sand, exactly, and they're changing that up so that they can get that effect. That's not what we're going to have in our homes. Um, and on top of that, they're aerating constantly, they're reseeding constantly, they're you know over sanding constantly, and so they're doing a lot of work. Um, not to mention, you know, just the real mowers that they use are very heavy. They're very flat on the ground, and it's it's kind of doing that that work uh, to keep that level. And it's very important for a golf course to do that. Um, yeah, if you don't, then. I don't have anything to blame my putts on. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but so that's so that's one of the things I you know, I often think about. Like it's normal to have, you know, ruts and things. When it gets to the point where it's difficult to mow, um, you know, that's a that's another s- situation. I don't think I, I rarely think tearing everything up and starting over is the right cause. I think there are things you can do before that to really move you along. Um, I've found aeration can be helpful. Aeration with particularly top dressing, um, that's one of my big keys. Like I always harp on that. If you're going to top, if you're going to do an aeration, you should do some sort of top dress. Yes, you should absolutely put Short, some. It'll sort, just go right back to the way it was. If you exactly, don't. you know, one of the things that I've really appreciated with the advent of cell phones is people taking a picture of an area mm. in their lawn. If they're talking about it, and I go, well, I'm. Are you sure? You know. Yeah. And they go, well, here's a picture, and I go, oh, perfect. Yeah. I don't have to drive out there and look, look at their <laughs> lawn. You know? And these days, it's it's more difficult with traffic and so on yeah. to get around. So. Well, and you know, one thing I've recommended customers do as well is uh, find a spot, take that picture, but take it multiple weeks in a row. Um, you know, take a picture, wait a week, take another picture, because sometimes you'll actually see. You know, maybe it's not as drastic. The change isn't as drastic as you thought it might be. Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, don't don't tear it all up and start over from. You know, that's just a lot of work. It's a lot of money, and it's pretty unnecessary. One thing I have found over the years um, is you can you can get those rollers. I don't. I don't, how do you feel about like the big drum rollers? So this is a thing you would get from somewhere like one of the rental companies. It's a big metal drum. You fill it, you know, good ways up with water, and you plug it up, and then you drag we, it across the lawn. We what used are your to do that. On? We used to do that after we would seed a lawn and and put the mulch on. We would do a rolling on it to set everything in position. Yeah. But you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense, especially if you've got wet ground to put something heavy on it. Yeah. I mean, in agriculture, we try to keep our equipment off of the farm as much as we can so we don't compact it. Yeah. Especially when it's wet. Right. So, uh, and if you're going to roll down earthworm castings, uh, that does nothing. They the just worms gonna, just turn around and put the castings yeah, right back where they were. Gonna come back so that up. doesn't make a lot of sense. But I think probably in certain applications it might be. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, I think probably I I don't know. I I think my best suggestion would be to do that aeration. If it's that bad, do an aeration. Focus on some of the areas that maybe are a little bit higher. Go over those an extra time. Rake out those plugs into the lower spots. Kind of help it on even top up a dress little with bit. a good compost. Top and... dress with a compost, and uh, I think you'll make a lot of progress that way, um, Glenn. Okay, well we are just just about out of time, um, and this was just I I I'll tell you this is exactly how I hoped this would go. I really appreciate um, our uh, viewers in the lawn program group uh, responding with some questions. 
And uh, hopefully we can do this again. If you've got some time, we can schedule yeah. another one in a, a few months or so and and uh, do question and answer with Jim because this is fantastic. Jim, thank you so much for coming in and spending some time with us. You're welcome. Love and, to do it. Uh, we will uh, be back uh, on another episode of the Zamzo's Garden Show in another week or so. Have a good one, everybody. We are News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Jim Zamzo, and for a limited time, Zamzo's is having a giant sale on wild bird food and feeders at all 13 Zamzo's. Now through Wednesday, November 9th, you can save $7 off all large 35 to 40 pound bags of Zamzo's top quality wild bird feeds. Choose from our most popular wild bird foods, including Zamzo's Nose Sprout, Zamzo's Custom Blend, Deluxe Bird Lovers Blend, and Black Oil Sunflower Seeds. They're all on sale for $7 off large bags, $5 off medium 10 to 25 pound bags, and even $2 off small bags of 3 to 5 pounds. What's more, all wild bird feeders are on sale for 25% off, and all wild bird compressed seed and squirrel blocks are $5 off per block. But don't wait, this sale is going on through Wednesday, November 9th only. So stock up and save while you can at Zamzo's. 13 stores to serve you, including Overland, just east of Eagle Road. Nobody knows like Zamzo's.